0: The next era of Bucks basketball is here.
1: Lillard, three pointer for the lead. It's game time.
0: Giannis just inside the three-point line, working on Orlando
1: Robinson. Spins around him, and goodness gracious. This is Courtside with the Milwaukee Bucks. Tonight, we'll unpack it all with a guy who's been in the middle of it all. The president of the Bucks, Peter Fagan. And our special guest tonight, who's traveling with the team, is Bucks general manager, John Horst. By far, the best record in the league. And Chris Middleton is a huge part of that thrill ride. The source for the inside scoop on every dribble, drawn-up play and decision made now here's your host gail Kloppa. hello everyone i'm gail Kloppa, and this is courtside with the milwaukee bucks the times they are a-changin bob dylan made that line popular years ago but he might as well have been talking about the bucks of 2024 in a tumultuous week adrian griffin replaced his head coach doc rivers now on board bringing years of head coaching experience In the middle of it all, the team hit the road for the toughest trip of the season. It started with a lost Monday night in Denver. No doubt it's been a wild ride so far. A season of change, not just in Milwaukee, but across the NBA. Tonight, we welcome a guy who has a unique view of the pace of change across the league. From New York, our special guest is the Deputy Commissioner and Chief Operating Officer of the NBA, Mark Tatum. Mark, thanks for joining us. Welcome to Courtside.
0: Gail, it's great to be back, and always good to talk to you.
1: Oh, good to talk to you. Thank you for your time, Mark. And looking at the bigger picture, we hear a lot about the growth and popularity of the game literally around the world. And interesting, at least to me, when you look at the list of NBA superstars today, it's striking how many of those players are from Europe, starting, of course, with a Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Your thoughts?
0: Oh, it's incredible the influence of the international players, particularly the European players who are coming to our league. Um, When you look at the quality and the quantity, of course, from a quantity standpoint, we have a record number 125 players who are playing in the NBA today that were born outside the United States. Um, And then, of course, the winners of our last five MVP awards uh, were won by three international players, including um, Milwaukee Bucks' own Giannis Antetokounmpo, who won back-to-backs, and then uh, Jokic, Nikola Jokic, and um, and Joel Embiid, who had a monstrous night. So uh, it, the, the, the influence of the international players on our game today is really, really incredible.
1: And Mark, speaking of Giannis, he's setting an incredible pace this season. The only player, as you know, averaging more than 30 points a game and making more than 60% of his shots from the field. How would you describe his influence on the game?
0: He's on fire. He's on fire. He uh, is having another MVP-type year, uh, and the fans are recognizing him, by the way. So he is, uh, in our last All-Star fan voting results, he was the lead um, vote-getter with more than 4 million votes. Um, So the fans around the world are recognizing his contributions, his performance on the court um, there's not another player in the league that wants to win uh, as much as Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he goes out there and plays with tremendous energy every single night on the court. He he leaves it all out there, and he's just a fun player to watch.
1: Oh, he really is. I think, actually, Mark, that Thanasis voted three million times, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of energy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, Mark, for Bucks fans, one of the most exciting games so far this season featured the matchup between Giannis and that young French phenom, Victor Wembignana. Giannis won the battle, but after the game, he said he's never seen anything like Wemby. Give us your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, Wemby's a special player. I mean, if, if uh, you know, he's got. A lot of high expectations have been placed on him, but he's a really, really great young man. And um, and 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 again, for some a player like that to come into this league with such high expectations, and then to uh, really you know meet those expectations and exceed them, um, has been fascinating to watch. Uh, I think the other players have a tremendous amount of respect for him for his skill level. Uh, we've never quite seen a player like him. That's You know, seven feet four inches that can dribble, that can shoot, that can pass, that has high basketball IQ that he does. Um, And he's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And so I think what you're seeing is, um, you know, the veteran players in the league, um, they're sizing them up a little bit, but uh, they all have demonstrated a tremendous amount of uh, respect for him, the way he carries himself, um, the way that he dedicates himself to really getting better and learning the game. And so, um, I think the future is very, very bright when
1: it comes to Victor. And, Marcus, the deputy commissioner, I know you have to stay objective. You can't, you know, publicly have favorite children. But how do you, <laughs> how, how do you view the progress and development of the Bucks over the past few years?
0: Well, look, the Bucks are a championship-level team. There's no doubt about that. Um, they are playing really good basketball. Uh, you know, they're second in the Eastern Conference behind a very strong Boston Celtics team. Um, so they're going to – you know, the thing – um, our inaugural in-season tournament, um, being in the Final Four there. Uh, so they've got championship, uh, a championship mindset, a championship build, and championship aspirations, and I think that that's an exciting time right now. I think the addition, of course, of Damian Lillard added a ton of excitement to the marketplace as well, and, and, um, and Milwaukee Bucks basketball is must-see basketball.
1: And we saw Dame time the other night, uh, as you probably saw from from reviewing all the league games. Dame had an incredible buzzer beater, uh, you know, from way, way deep near the logo, off balance to the left, falling away. It was just an amazing shot.
0: That's what Dame does, right? That's
1: what Dame does. <laughs> well, more with Mark Tatum, the deputy commissioner of the NBA. In a moment, back to Gale and the NBA's deputy commissioner Mark Tatum. Mark, as you know, being an NBA referee, one of the toughest jobs on the planet. Tell our listeners if you will how the league selects, trains, monitors referees and how do you try to achieve consistency on the way the games are called?
0: Yeah, referees, and being a referee in this league is one of the hardest jobs um, in the world, quite frankly. It's one of the most scrutinized occupations in the world. Um, Every single call you make, every single call you don't make, um, is right there and available for everyone to see and to review. Um, And so we go, and our referees go through, a very extensive uh, process of, one, identifying uh, referees at different stages um, different levels around the world and sourcing those people that have an interest in becoming a referee and, and be a referee. And then they then they go through a process of training and educating and going through the G League as an example. That's a great training ground for our referees and many of our most recent referees have come from the G League ranks. Uh, but it's a multi-year process, Gail, to uh, prepare for and get ready to become an NBA referee, and then once you become an NBA referee, um, there is extensive training uh, that's being done there too by Monty McCutcheon, a former referee himself, um, who works with all the referees um, to get them better and, and, and to make them the best of what they do in their craft. And um, And we have our entire referee operations staff um, that is constantly evaluating them for positioning, making sure that uh, that the rules are being enforced um, properly and appropriately, that that we're reviewing every single game, um, that we're re- very transparent about uh, calls that are, are, that that our referees get right and the ones that they get wrong. They're human, after all, and and humans do make mistakes. And so, um, what we try to do is ensure that uh, we are being uh, transparent with uh, our calls and and that we're always constantly striving um, to get the call right and to. And to be as good as as they can.
1: Mark, how is the the innovation now a few years old of the Coaches Challenge? How's that working out?
0: It's been fantastic. Uh, You know, we obviously added a second Coaches Challenge this year uh, based on feedback from uh, our teams and and the coaches, and I think the fans enjoyed as well. Um, It gives us an opportunity to get the calls right. Um, That is our objective, that's our goal every single time, Uh, and the Coaches Challenge is a strategic opportunity for um, in those particular cases where a coach or a team may think that's, uh, that, that one of our uh, referees got it wrong, it gives it an opportunity to uh, try to challenge that. And so uh, the coaches are using them. Uh, and, and, and again, I think it makes our game better.
1: Well, Mark, the stars are about to come out soon. The NBA All-Star Game on the horizon a night when the greatest in the game are all on the same floor. I'm curious about your view, Mark. What is the NBA doing to get kind of the right balance to that All-Star game, to put on a competitive event but still minimize the risk of player injury?
0: Yeah, that's right. It's an exhibition game at the end of the day, and so we don't want anybody to go out there and get injured. Um, At the same time, we want the the game to be competitive and, and for there to be a great show Um, for the fans around the world who tune in for it. And so the players understand that. We're making a few changes in Indianapolis this year to prior All-Star games. We're going back to the traditional East versus West. Um, I think that's going to make a difference. Uh, You know, in the last couple of years, we went to more of a pickup format, and it was quite frankly hard for um, the players there to – they didn't even know what team they were playing on, quite frankly, right until before the tip-off. So now – uh, we're going back to that East versus West. They'll be practicing as a team. Um, we're going to go back to a little bit more of a traditional timing and format around the games. Um, and, we're, and, and we're having conversations directly with the players, directly with the coaches, um, that we don't want anyone to get hurt, but that uh, we expect them to go out there and compete. And so I think that message... Um, has been getting through uh, to the players, and I think they all understand that and and are very
1: supportive of that as well. So, Mark, you think we might see a little defense in that game?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I, I do think we will. I do think we will. And, and, you know, again, Giannis, I know he he loves playing defense, so I can imagine uh, Giannis will be one of those players who will be out there playing defense.
1: Oh, you're right. I think in Giannis' first All-Star game, he didn't get the memo. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I remember that. I remember he was he was going at it like it was a finals game and and guys sort of looked at him uh, a little bit sideways but no he the, uh, again the, the guys understand um and we've been having lots of conversations directly with them that we want the game to be competitive. We want them to be safe. Uh, we don't want anyone to get hurt, but we want it to be competitive and I think we can expect uh, expect that this year.
1: Very good. Well, Mark switching gears, you've been in the league office, gosh, since 1999. And you've been a big part of the innovations we've seen. If you will talk about the most recent change—the introduction of the in-season tournament—and mark given fan reaction across the country, I'm guessing the in-season tournament is here to stay.
0: <laughs> that's a, that's a safe bet, there, Gail. I, you know, it, it is a concept that we had been talking about for probably the better part of the last. Uh, 15 years or so. And we've talked to the competition committee about it, to the teams about it, to our players about it. Um, and it, it it has been so well received. You know, our season is a long, it's a long regular season. And we've got an extended playoffs. That's sort of the model in the United States. And at the end of that long season, there was a single champion. And so, you know, in the words of some of our GMs it felt like at the end of that season there's one winner and there's 29 losers and so you know we we thought that there was an opportunity for us to create a new championship tradition that would be meaningful to teams to players um, to our marketing partners and to our fans Um, and we actually saw that this happened in other parts of the world in both basketball and soccer this concept of these in-season tournaments these in-season cups was a very familiar concept and as we saw more international players coming into our league. Um, the guys like Luka Doncic, for example, who played in Cups and, and, and won those Cups internationally, it became more of a natural thing for the players to get, okay, to say, okay, we get it. Um, and so to create this new tradition without expanding the footprint of the season, other than that one final game, um, was the challenge for us. And, and I think we're always looking to ensure that our NBA season remains that compelling on-court product for our fans. That's a priority. I think the in-season tournament helped us do that.
1: Very good, Mark. And and again, tremendous reaction. And I know that you're looking forward to continuing that tournament. And we'll have more with the Deputy Commissioner of the NBA, Mark Tatum, right after this. Here's more Courtside with Gail and the NBA's Deputy Commissioner, Mark Tatum. Mark, let's talk about one of the big items on your agenda. Negotiations for future broadcast and streaming rights for the NBA games. The media landscape, of course, is very different today than when the last national contracts were signed. Can you give us, Mark, a brief overview of the timeline and the top two or three issues that are on the table?
0: That's right. Yep. So our current deals are with Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery. And those deals run through the end of next season. So we've got the rest of the season and one more season. I will tell you that both of them are long-standing partners, and it's my expectation and hope that we'll stay in business with them for many, many years ahead. Um, we've got a window uh, right now where we can negotiate exclusively with them this spring, um, and I can tell you that conversations are ongoing with them. Um, we're also uh, encouraged by – what I call the breadth of prospective new partners, too, who have expressed a strong interest in our rights. You probably saw the partnership today that Netflix announced with uh, the WWE. Uh, they are now in the live um, sports business. Um, and, and what we're really seeing is, I think, a you know, watershed moment for the league. So I think our next set of agreements will really help shape the future of the NBA and how fans consume NBA basketball and and, and probably um, all of sports for years to come, right? Because this next partnership that we do is going to be a a longer term deal. And so we want to make sure that we're taking a fan first approach, um, that our games are um, uh, accessible, that we maximize our reach uh, to as many fans as possible. We want discoverability to be a key element here. So we want to make it, Really easy for fans to find out where our games are. Sometimes I know that's a challenge today to find out where a game is, depending on if it's local or national. Um, so we need to solve that problem. And then finally, the other priority is really reimagining the live game viewing experience. Um, many of our fans now uh, really want more interactivity, um, more content, more data, um, and so really reimagining how we present our games. To our fans is a is a huge priority for us in a future deal going forward. So, so I I think it's likely, Gail, that we'll see a combination of uh, you know television distribution and streaming distribution in our future.
1: Mark, do you think some of that change would involve streaming only games, or do you think the the do you think the approach would be available games available on both broadcast and streaming at the same time?
0: It's a good question. I think those are the conversations that we're still having today. Uh, Clearly the NFL um, uh, did do streaming only with some of their games, and I think that's a possibility um, for us. The streaming platforms um, have all – you know, sort of expressed an interest, if you will, in things like the in-season tournament, for example, and making that a a, a streaming product. But none of those decisions have been made yet. Like I said, one of our goals is to ensure accessibility um, and reach for our fans and maximizing reach. Um, But there will likely be, again, some hybrid of television, traditional over-the-air cable and streaming
1: it will be interesting. And Mark, looking ahead, 30 teams today in the NBA, what are the prospects for expansion of the league?
0: Well, uh, we said uh, publicly, uh, Gail, that expansion is not currently on our agenda. Uh, What we had stated before is that we needed to negotiate a new CBA, which we did, and that we had to negotiate our new media deals, which we're doing. And that once we get those two things done, then we would turn back to the potential for expansion. So there are no doubt several great markets both inside and outside the United States, quite frankly, that have expressed interest in having an an NBA team. And um, we'll turn back to those discussions once we emerge from our next round of media deals.
1: Terrific. Well, Mark, you have a very interesting personal background. Born in Vietnam, moved to Brooklyn at age one. Love sports growing up, but thought you might want to be a doctor, I understand, until you took that first course in organic chemistry.
0: <laughs> That's right. That was a tough one. That, that, it did its job and it weeded me out.
1: <laughs> and as we wrap up this great conversation, Mark, uh, what message would you like to leave with Bucks fans everywhere?
0: I would say appreciate your team. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, like I said, have championship aspirations, they've got the talent. Uh, to win in another NBA championship. And so um, as a Milwaukee Bucks fan, if you're listening to this, you got to feel great about your team. you got to feel great about the prospects in that city. Um, and I'm just wishing everyone there the best of luck.
1: Well, Mark, look forward to your next visit to Milwaukee. Look me up and I'll buy you a bratwurst.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Gail. I look forward to it.